Ashley Brock, reading Diane Palmer's book, A Man Means, Chapter 8. Just when the world was spinning away in warm, pleasurable oblivion, the sound of loud, urgent footsteps echoed down the hall and brought Ray upright. He looked at her with narrow, blank eyes as the sound grew louder, cursed under his breath, and got to his feet, keeping his back to her as he moved to the window, gripping the curtains and staring out at the pasture beyond. Meredith dragged the bedspread up under her arms over her clothes and tried to steady her breathing. When she remembered what she and Ray had been doing, she blushed. blushed. The door jar was pushed completely open, and Leo came in with a tray. On it were a china cup and saucer, the silver co coffee pot, and a silver cream and sugar service, and a napkin and a spoon. On a china plate were some dainty little chicken salad sandwiches. Thought you might be hungry, Leo said with a gentle smile as he put the tray on her lap. It had legs, so it would stand alone over her lap. Mrs. Lewis came over to fix supper, and I had her make you this. Thank you, she explained. And thank Mrs. Lewis, too. I was starting to feel empty. Ray made an odd sound, and she reached for a tiny sandwich very quickly, not daring to glance at him. After the enthusiastic and unwise remark she just made, Leo turned his eyes towards her brother. Something wrong with you? He asked carefully. Stomach cramp, Ray said without turning. I had chili and salsa for lunch. Heartburn's killing me. You should go and take an anti-acid tablet, Leo advised, and drink some milk. I guess I better. Ray took a long breath and turned around, feeling more normal. Finally, Lysimer, I'm glad you're okay. I'll be fine. Thanks for the conversation, she said and wouldn't meet his eyes, but she smiled shyly. He just looked at her. Suddenly, his dark eyes began to burn. He studied her intently, as if something had just happened that shocked him. Are you alright? she asked impulsively. He took a slow breath. He was still staring at her, to his brother's covert amusement, with her hair around her shoulders like that, sitting up in bed, smiling at him. It felt as if his whole life had just shifted five degrees. She was uncommonly pretty with her hair down. She had a warm, kind heart. She put her life on the line for a total stranger. Why hadn't that occurred to him in Houston when there was when they first told him that she saved his brother from attackers. Leo probably owes you his life, Ray said carefully, but it bothers me that you risk your own to save him. Wouldn't you have done the same thing, even for a total stranger? She mused. He hesitated. Yes, he said after deliberating for a few seconds. I suppose I would have. See? You have all sorts of potential as a prospective husband, she added with a wicked smile. She got wider when he reacted. You're sexy, you're rich, you drive a nice car, and besides all that, you like animals. She began nodding her definite potential. His high cheekbones bones flushed, and he glared at her. I don't want to get married. <laughs> don't worry about it, she said soothingly. It's perfectly natural for a bachelor to resist matrimony, but you'll come around. She wiggled both eyebrows. If you get me a ring, I'll let you see my collection of used chewing gum wrappers and bottle caps. He was just, he was still glaring. Leo chuckled. I'd love to see your used chewing gum wrappers, Meredith, he said enthusiastically. In fact, I may start collecting right now. Ray stared a hole through his brother while inside him something froze. I'll even consider marrying you. Leo added wickedly. She laughed, not taking him seriously. Sorry, it's Ray or nobody. My heart's set on him. 
She frowned. Pity I couldn't trade you something for him. She murmured to Leo. Ray was getting angrier by the second and uncomfortable with the idea that Leo was trying to cut him out. Make me an offer, Leo told her. But he can't cook, and he has a temper worse than a sunburned rattler. Besides that, you can't domesticate him. He wears his spurs to the dining room, dinner table. So do you, Ray accused. I sit more daintily than you do, Leo said imperturbably. Ray ran his hands into his pockets of his jeans. Glad again. You can't get people away. I'm not trying to give you away, Leo said calmly. I want to make a profit. He scowled suddenly and his eyes wide. He looked at his brother's boots. <laughs> Meredith was staring at them too. She pursed her lips and exchanged a look with Leo. Ray glared back at them belligerently. What? He demanded hotly. Both Leo's eyebrows went up along with both hands. I didn't say a word. Neither did I. Meredith assured him. Ray looked down. Looked from one to the other and finally looked down. There on one of his feet was a dainty little foot sock with a tassel on it covering the stilto of his brown cowboy boot. He had only picked it up under Meredith's bed while he was kissing her. Ray jerked it off, cursorily, shot a furious glance at Meredith and his brother, who were trying violently not to look at him, and stomped off. Helpless laughter erupted from the two people left in Meredith's room. The sound of it infuriated Ray. <laughs> Leo was obviously ready to set up shop when their reluctant, discluse nurse and Ray didn't like it. Leo was the plague of housekeepers everywhere, but he was also easier on the eyes than the other brothers, and he was charming. Ray had never learned how to use charm. He always looked uncomfortable when he smiled, especially with women like Meredith, who was painfully shy and naive. He wasn't used to such women, but what made it so much worse was the dropping sensation in his stomach that he experienced when he stared at Meredith. He hadn't had anything like that since Carly. He would made his pulse race almost as fast as Meredith did when he kissed her. He could still taste Meredith on his mouth. She didn't know much, which made up for made up for her lack of knowledge with enthusiasm and curiosity. He thought about carrying the lessons much further, about burying her to the waist. His heart began to slam into his throat as he tried to imagine what she looked like under her blouse. He already knew that the skin of her shoulder was warm and soft like silk. He remembered her husky moan when he kissed her there, the way her fingers had bitten into his back like little sharp pegs. He'd been away from women for a long time, but he still knew what to do with one, and his imagination was working overtime just now. Meredith had attracted him when she was just as cook. Now that he knew about the intelligent, capable woman underneath the flighty camouflage, he was fascinated with her. She was everything a man could wish for. Not that she wanted him. Oh, no. She made it plain. But that teasing speech about marriage had unnerved him. His freedom was like a religion. He didn't want to get married. Of course he didn't. But it was natural to think of Meredith with children. He could picture her baking biscuits for him every morning and holding a child in her arms at night while they watched television. He could picture her playing catch with a little boy out in the back or picturing, picking wildflowers with a little girl at her skirts. She was kind and sweet. She made a wonderful mother. It was her job, of course. She knew something about her profession, that it was supposed to be high pressure. She'd been called upon to make life and death decisions, to confront the sick and grieving, to make herself involved in the daily lives of her patients, so that she could counsel them on how to maintain good health. Besides all that, 
She had a college degree. Ray was college educated too, with a degree in management and a minor in marketing. He was the mind behind the business decisions, the coordinator of the labor pool, and the director of marketing for the Brothers Cattle Corporation. He was good at what he did. He enjoyed conversations with other educated people. And he convinced himself that Meredith wouldn't know Diggins from Dolly, Domingo from the White Yoakum, Hemingway from Dr. Seuss. Now he knew better, and his respect for her increased. She saved Billy Joe's life at the gun club. He recalled that she must have known what to do for Leo as well when she found him after he was mugged. Leo really did owe her his life. She was confident, confident, and she wasn't hard on the eyes either. She had wonderful qualities, but he didn't want to marry her. He wasn't sure about Leo. His eyes narrowed her. He called the way Leo conspired with her. Leo had known all about her already. Obviously, they have been talking together since her arrival at the ranch because Leo hadn't been a bit surprised when she rushed over to manage Billy Joe's heart attack. Why hadn't he noticed that? Leo had called her Meredith when he was in the hospital. He was obviously fond of her. Maybe he was interested in her romantically, too. He'd been interested in Tess before Cag had walked off with her, but Tess hadn't realized it. Or if she had, she ignored it. Leo wasn't hard on the eyes, either, and when it came to charm, he had a share in Ray's as well. As he walked down to the bar to talk to one of his men, Ray had a terrible premonition that Leo had been serious when he joked about being willing to marry Meredith. Would she be desperate enough, lonely enough, frightened enough to marry Leo and give up her job and living with her father? Her father beating her badly. She might be looking for a way out of the torment. And there was Leo, successful, handsome, handsome and charming, just ready to take her in and protect her. Ray felt himself choke on dread. He couldn't imagine living in a house with Meredith if she was married to his brother. He'd rather throw himself headfirst into a cement mixer. But then, Leo had been teasing. Leo was always teasing. Ray forced himself to breathe normally, and at least give the appearance of someone who was relaxed. Sure, it was just a joke. He didn't have to worry about the competition. There wasn't any. He pulled his hat lower over his eyes and walked on down the aisle to the man who was doctoring a heifer. Several days later, Meredith has received a huge bouquet of assorted roses from Billy Joe. Now out of the hospital and back on the shooting range, she put them in water in the kitchen along with a card, which the brothers blatantly read. He'd marry you, Ray drawled with pure acid in his tone as he dragged out a chair, sat down on He's been widowed twenty years. Meredith gave Leo a mischievous glance, filled with butter, putting biscuits in a linen lined basket. He's not bad looking for a man his age, and it wouldn't hurt him to have a nurse under his roof. She lets Ray's elegant back. But can he cook? Ray some coffee noisily. And does he slurp his coffee? She added without missing a beat. That was done deliberately to show you that I don't give a damn about manners. Ray growled. All right, just don't expect me to take you to any nice restaurants while we're courting, she said easily, setting the basket of biscuits on the table. Lady, you aren't taking me as far as the mailbox, he said courtly. He looked furious. A black temper was already kindled. Meredith studied his bit head curiously. She never knew about men. She'd seen some very mild-mannered ones come to the emergency room with wives who'd been beaten within an inch of their lives. Didn't hurt to see how far a man would go when he got mad, especially after her experience with her father. You'd have to learn to scrape the mud off those enormous boots, too, she went on in a conversational tone, and not slurp your soup. Your hair could use a good trim. Damn it. She shot to his feet, eyes blazing in a rigid face. 
the dusky flush creeping along his high cheekbones with all this warming color of a poisonous reptile. Meredith stood aground, watching him clench those big fists out of his Ray, Leo cautioned abruptly, started to get into his feet. Meredith went right up to me, Ray looking at him in the eyes, quiet, still, waiting. Ray was breathing through his nostrils. His jaw was clenched with fury, but intelligence won easily over bad temper. His chin raised. You're testing me, he said out. You want to know if I'll hit you? It's something a woman needs to know about a man, said very quietly. She needs to find it out where she can get help if she needs it. She didn't look at Leo. She could get help if she... She didn't look at Leo, but Ray knew that was what she meant. She smiled gently. No. You don't hit, she said in a soft, quizzical tone. You don't have a temp. You do have a temper, but it's not a physical one. He was still breathing through them. If you were a man, it might be. He told her bluntly. But I'm not a man, she replied. Her eyes were almost glowing with feeling. He got lost in those soft, warm gray eyes. Hated the way he felt when he was near her. He'd been fighting it ever since he carried her up to her garage apartment after she fainted at the hospital. He liked to fill her in his arms. He liked kissing her. He liked the way she picked at him and teased him. No woman had ever done that before. That is a... As his older brothers had been before they married, he was tanktum and uncommunicative most of the time. His very attitude put most women off. Didn't put Meredith off. She wasn't afraid of his temper either. She made him into a different person. It wasn't something he could easily explain. He felt comfortable with her even while she was sitting, stirring him to passion. You can imagine just sitting in front of the television with her and holding hands late at night. Yeah, Matt. The image intimidated him. He sat back down, ignored Meredith, started putting butter and strawberry preservatives on four biscuits. Leo gave him a measure. Don't eat all the biscuits. I'm only getting my share. She, he jerked his thumb toward Meredith. Didn't make but eight this morning. That's one for her, four for me, three for you. And why do you get four? Leo asked belligerently. Because she proposed to me. He said with pure smug arrogance and a look that made Leo's teeth snap together. I did not, Meredith said hotly, sitting down across from him. I said I was thinking of you as a marriage prospect. Not that I actually wanted to go through with a ceremony. She cleared her. I want to see how you work out, Great smell fan. That sounds interesting. He didn't necessarily mean what it sounded like. He meant she must have jumped to any conclusions here, but her cheeks were getting very rosy. He noticed that it was a devilish game they were playing, and he could do it better. He stared pointedly at her soft mouth, and he put a cube of fresh pear into his mouth. Slowly and deliberately, she felt very uncomfortable, and I'd place this when he did that. She ate her beef and gravy and tried to ignore him. I like having fresh fruit, Ray said with a slow smile. <laughs> he speared a grape with his fork and eased it slowly between his lips. She moved restlessly in her chair. It's healthy stuff. <laughs> no wonder you were trying to get us to eat right. Leo said, trying to break the growing spell Ray was casting on her. You teach nutrition, I suppose. In a way, I'm supposed to counsel patients on changing bad habits and making lifestyle changes when they're warranted. She explained if only her hand didn't shake while she was holding a stupid fork. Ray saw it and knew why. She hated that damn smug smile on his lean face. He picked up a piece of perfectly cooked asparagus and speared it and speared and slowly sucked it into his mouth, using his tongue meaningly. 
I have to fix dessert. Meredith choked up to her feet so quickly that she knocked her chair winding and had to ride it. As all that chair jumped right out and trip you, Meredith. Rick comes around. You ought to hit her with a stick. I ought to hit you with a stick instead. She raged at him, flushed and flustered and out of patience. Me? Both out of her. What did I do? She pitched, pictured hitting him across the jaw with the biggest frying pan she had. It was very satisfying. Pity she couldn't do it for real. She went to the cupboard and drew out the ingredients for an instant reduced fat pudding. She had some low-fat whipped cream in the freezer that she could top it with. Meanwhile, Ray would finish his meal and stop using fruits and vegetables to torment her with. She could have kicked him behind her. Ray was talking comfortably to Leo about some new equipment they were ordering about routine chores that had to be completed before Thanksgiving this month and the Christmas holidays next month. Most of the ranch hands would have Thanksgiving the day after and the weekend free. Next month they'd have Christmas Eve and Christmas Day free along with four days before or after depending on the schedule. Some of the men had families in far-flung locations and they had to travel a distance for the holidays. The hearts made a practice of giving the men time off to go home during the holiday season by staggering work schedules so that there was an adequate crew here to work when days off were assigned. Then they moved on, naturally, to discussion about Thanksgiving dinner. You're going to stay until after Thanksgiving, aren't you? Ray asked Meredith. She had her back to him. Yes, I'd like to. She said because she'd already been planning special menus and light non-catalytic desserts for it. Unless you're planning to go away for it. She added quickly. The family has a Christmas party when we all get together. We sort of save Thanksgiving for just us. So the others can have the day with their wives and kids. Leo told her. It's been sort of hit and miss since Mrs. Lewis has been plagued with arthritis. As you know, we got her to come back to work just briefly. But her hands won't hold out to make bread and do any scrubbing with them. Despite medicine, she has her children up from Corpus Christi for the holidays and cooks for them. We sort of get got leftovers. <laughs> well, I'll make sure you have a big Thanksgiving dinner this year, she said gently. With all the trimmings, including biscuits, she added when they both looked her way. She finished whipping the pudding and put it in bowls in the refrigerator to children before she sat back down. That will make us a nice dessert tonight, she commented. I don't suppose you want it any sooner. They shook their heads. I've got a meeting with our marketing staff in a half an hour. Mary said, checking his multifunction watch. And I've got to go over the new equipment list with our mechanic and see if we've got everything ready to order. Leo added. How about a nice Greek salad for summer? Meredith asked. I made it with pita cheese and blank black olives and eggs. I bought the ingredients yesterday at the store. Except for the eggs, of course. I'll get those out of the hen house. <laughs> Sounds nice. Leo said with a grin. Watch where you put your hands. Ray murmured without looking at her. I haven't seen my pet snake in the barn lately. She gave him a cold look. If I see him, I'll get him on a stick and put it right back in the barn, she said with pure bravado. Ray glanced at her with dancing on her I'd pay real money to see you do that. He chimed. So would I, she thought, but she didn't say it. She just smiled smugly. The brothers finished their last bottle of coffee and went out the door still talking business. Later, Meredith went out to the hen house to gather eggs with her straw basket on her arm. Ray had unnerved her with his comment about the damn snake. Now she was sure it was in there, waiting for a gullible victim to frighten. She took a deep breath and walked carefully into the dim confines of the hen house. She bet her lower lip and approached the nest slowly. She stopped dead 
there was actually a snake in there. It was wrapped around the eggs. He was licking his snaky lips. She shivered with fear, but she wasn't going to let the stupid thing make her a laughing stock twice. She saw a long, thick stick on the straw covered floor. She put her basket down, still watching the snake, and picked up the stick. It's okay, old fellow, she said to the snake. It's okay. I'm just going to ease you out of the nest. Don't get mad. Now, I won't hurt you. It's okay. While she was talking softly, she used a stick under it, under its curls, and very carefully lifted it. It was very still, not moving its head except the hiss. So far, so good. She had it up on the stick. It was heavy. As she pulled it out of the nest, she noticed that it was really quite long. It really didn't look much like that black and white one Ray had put in the barn. This one had a pretty brown pattern on its back and had a white underbelly. But then, it wasn't striking at her or anything, so she wasn't worried. She got a far out in front of her and stopped carefully. Stepped carefully out of the hen house into the bright light. As she did, the snake hung from the stick, looking rather bored by the whole thing. She carried it through the yard and out toward the barn. One of the men was standing by a truck, watching her progress. His jaw fell. She wondered what was wrong with him. Maybe he'd never seen a woman carry a snake around before. Nice day, she called to him. He didn't answer. She shrugged and kept walking. The barn was empty, except for the bales of hay that were stacked neatly on the bottom in the loft of the huge structure. Over against one wall, there was a corn crib with stacks and stacks of dry corn and a machine that shelled them. Here we go, old fellow, she told the snake. She eased him over the wooden box and slid him down into the piles of the unshowed corn. He drew back in a certain pose and hissed at her again. Ah, the shape of his head, she thought, frowning as she studied him. It looked like an arrowhead. The other snakes had been, had been rounder. Well, it might be some other species of king snake, she supposed. Weren't there several? She walked back out of the barn into the daylight, whistling softly to herself as she started back to the hen house. She was so proud of herself. She'd gotten a snake on the stick all by herself without screaming once, and she carried him all the way to the barn and put him in the corn crib. She wasn't afraid of the snake anymore. As Ray had said, they were beneficial. It wasn't right to kill something just because you were afraid of it, she told herself. The man who'd been standing by the truck was nowhere in sight, but the truck was still running, and the driver's door was standing wide open. She wondered where the driver had gone. He must have been in a hurry for some reason. Meredith went back to the hen house, put the stick down, picked up her basket, and went to gather eggs. There would be no more snakes, but there were plenty of eggs. She could boil several to go in her nice Greek salad, the spinach she'd brought to make she bought to make it with crisp and was crisped and cold and almost blemishless. The brothers would love a salad if it had enough eggs and cheese and dressing. She got the last egg into the basket, walked back out again, passing, pausing to reach down and bet one of the big red hens who came right up to her and cocked its head curiously toward her face. Aren't you a pretty girl? She said, smiling. She liked the way the chicken felt. Its feathers were very smooth and silky, and the chicken made the sweetest little noises when she petted it. She'd never been around farm creatures. She found that she enjoyed the chickens and the cattle dogs and the endless cats that hung around outside begging for handouts. Two other hens came up to her, curious about the tall creature in jeans and tank top. She petted them, too, laughing as they crowded close. But then one started to peck the eggs, and she stood up again. She turned back toward the house, her mind on the snake and her bravery. She'd have to remember that Celery and Theo about it. Meredith. The loud, urgent, deep voice sent her spinning around. 
Raven was running toward her, bareheaded, with the cow hand, who'd been next to the running pickup truck at his heels. Hi, Ray, she said hesitantly. What's wrong? I stopped just in front of her. He caught her a little roughly by the arms and took the basket away from her, setting it aside while he looked at every inch of her bare arms and hands. He was breathing rapidly, he seemed unnaturally pale and tight-lipped. I didn't buy you, he demanded. What? The snake. I didn't bite you, he snapped. No, of course not, she stammered. I just got it on a stick, like you did, and put it on the in the corn crib. Get my Winchester, Ray told the other man in arms. Load it and bring it back here. Hurry. I don't understand, Meredith said with noticeable confusion. What's wrong with you? Why do you need a gun? Oh, baby, he whispered hoarsely. He pulled her against him and bent to kiss her, kiss her in view of the whole outfit. Smiled hard and rubbed her, baby. She had no idea what was wrong, but she loved the faint tremor in his hard arms as they crushed her against his body. She loved the way he was kissing her as if he couldn't get enough of her mouth. He called her baby. She held on and moaned under the crush of his lips. He drew back. I'm sorry. It was such a shock. I was scared out of my wits. I didn't even stop to grab my hat when we came into the office. Her mouth was pleasantly swollen. She looked up at him dreamily and smiled. You don't have a clue, do you? He asked huskily, searching her soft gray eyes. Hmm? About what? She murmured over the eye, fearing him. The other man came out with a white rifle. He handed it to Ray. Safety's on. The man of a... Thanks, Wit. Be back for Meredith. I'll go kill it. Kill it? Meredith's like, you can't. It will eat the rats. It's harmless. Sweetheart, he said very You were carrying a copperhead moccasin. Yes, she stared at him blankly. It's one of the most poisonous snakes in Texas. She stood looking after him with her mouth open and a heartbeat choking her. She'd been carrying the damn thing on a stick with it hissing at her. She felt the blood leave her head. Seconds later, she was lying on the hard ground. Fortunately, she missed a basket of eggs on the way down. End of chapter 8